Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. This week, we're looking at tiny homes and how they might play into the future of Canada's rural communities for a variety of reasons. Tiny homes certainly are attracting more interest in recent years, be that for environmental reasons, affordability, or to address social challenges, most notably homelessness. Whatever the reason, there are always bylaws to deal with, and in some cases, that could put a serious dent and delay into tiny home plans. Today, we have our first repeat guest to help us navigate this topic. We had Terry Lee Calford with us in the spring to talk about rural youth homelessness and the work of Cornerstone Landing in Lanark County, Ontario, where she is chair of the board. Part of the solutions they've been working on is a tiny home to help with temporary housing needs, and that led to the side benefit of Terry Lee developing a lot of knowledge around navigating the bylaw aspect of tiny home plans. So we're really pleased to have her with us today to pass along some of that expertise. Hello, Terry Lee, and welcome back to Rural Spark. Hi, Helen. Thanks for having me back. Um, Terry Lee, we had you on the program in the spring to talk about youth rural homelessness in Canada and the work that you and your organization Cornerstone are doing in Lanark County. And, and part of that really intrigued me. It was around uh, the tiny home concept. And of course, that was just, you know, one leg of what you're doing there, but to try to provide a solution on urgent temporary housing needs. And I understand that you've made some uh, progress in leaps and bounds in recent months on that aspect of your work. Tell us a little bit about that. We support kids who are homeless in Leonard County um, or at risk of homelessness. And so we partnered with Algonquin College to build a tiny home prototype. We'd been exploring options for affordable housing ourselves for our agency. And so this partnership came together, which was great. And we actually managed to build a, a tiny home and finished it in June of this past year and launched it in July. And so we're now just working with uh, local townships to get it legally on the ground. Terrific. And, and that brings us to the topic we really wanted to dive into today, which was around the bylaw struggles that people across Canada might be having in, in, for different reasons that they want to explore living in, in tiny homes or having them as solutions for social challenges. You know, when people see these gorgeous promotional images of tiny homes or, or these, um, you know, highly produced uh, programs about them, they probably don't think about bylaws. But as I understand it, it is a big deal in some places. Are municipalities just slow to catch up on the interest in tiny homes in making provisions in their bylaws? Or is this about resistance to some extent? I think it's all of it. And I think there's another issue, a third issue as well, and that is Ontario Building Code or National Building Code. So the, the image that most people see or the image that most people have in their mind when it comes to tiny homes is tiny homes on trailers. We call those those. I mean, that is a tiny house. Yes, for sure. And there's, you know, Ministry of Transportation restrictions on a width and height and, and length and all that good stuff as well. Uh, but how that fits, how a tiny home on a trailer fits into the Ontario Building Code is actually one of the problems, which then rolls into the issue of uh, municipal bylaws too. So, however, if you separate tiny homes from trailers from the picture and you talk about tiny homes on the ground, which is a more straightforward approach to tiny homes, then yes, bylaws can play a significant issue and Ontario Building Code is kind of irrelevant. Um, they accommodate tiny homes. You can build a, a tiny home, a, or a small house as small as 143 square feet plus a bathroom um, and laundry. So, you can actually build a pretty small house uh, according to Ontario Building Code. Um, the complication is when you start putting them on trailers and then there's no legal pathway through the Ontario Building Code to make that legal year-round living. And so then it becomes a little bit more complicated when it comes to municipalities how you can actually put a tiny home that's on wheels on a permanent foundation, which is pretty much required to be considered uh, legal year-round housing in Ontario. So is the challenge that some people actually do prefer to have them on trailers and they want to be able to move them from time to time? 
Yeah, you know what, there's, there's quite a significant group of people who would like to have the flexibility of having a tiny home on a trailer. Now, the tiny homes on trailers are so heavy, you're not just towing them around like a camper. You have to have a very specific type of truck to be able to move them. And we built, you know, according to Ministry of Transportation requirements, you know, only eight and a half feet wide. Uh, you have to be under 13 and a half feet tall as well. But even the weight of that was about 11,500 pounds. So you have to have wow truck to tow that so you're not just moving them around for weekends uh, to campgrounds typically you know but I also think there's a certain convenience so for example we're trying to overlap the discussion of tiny homes with secondary units in Ontario so the Ontario uh, Planning Act um, is recommending that municipalities accommodate what they call secondary units or auxiliary dwelling units. There's different names for it. But essentially, you're allowed to have a separate unit within a single family home, sometimes within a duplex or, or a double or a semi. And you're also permitted, according to the new planning code, to have a secondary unit attached and in your backyard. So that's where we were kind of overlapping those two pieces of legislation. Uh, how can we uh, use a tiny home as a secondary unit um, and fall within the uh, municipal bylaw requirements? And so that seems to have been the best pathway for us to get one legally on the ground. And that's actually what we're looking at doing uh, now in uh, Lanark County. So essentially, you're going to take this tiny home that's built to help address youth homelessness, and you're going to get someone to host it at, at their home. Is that correct? Yes, that was actually the last time you and I spoke. That was the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did actually have two families come forward in Leonard County and offer uh, to allow us to have it uh, on their property. However, both of those municipalities have not uh, updated their bylaws, uh, or sorry, their official plans and their bylaws uh, since 2012 when the first planning act came out that recommended secondary units. So they don't have any legislation right now as it exists to allow for a secondary unit. And that's how we would have put the tiny home on the, the homeowner's property. So we have been attending uh, meetings, municipal meetings, and following along as they have discussions about their uh, updating their official plans and their bylaws to accommodate secondary units um, and what that would look like for each township. So, however, it sometimes takes about a year to get an official plan change. So, wow. Yeah, so, so we're actually, uh, plan B for us is we're now currently act- actively looking for our own single family home that we're going to purchase and own through the uh, nonprofit and we'll put our tiny home in the backyard as a, a secondary unit. Wow, but you still have to wait until, oh no, where you are, where this would be, it's already in the bylaws. Is that right? Yeah. So oh, okay. there's, two, there's two townships right now that accommodate secondary units. Tay Valley is one of them. And then the town of Perth also permits uh, secondary units. So we're going to be looking in Perth, actually, for a uh, for property. Okay, so so the townships that you're, you're dealing with, where they, they, they've yet to um, change the bylaws to accommodate yeah. this. Is it possible that it's actually going to take longer to do that than it did to take the, build the tiny house in the first place? <laughs> it appears, yes, because I actually started this discussion in Leonard County uh, over two years ago. So I was going before uh, councils, Leonard County Council, Smith Falls Council, Carlton Place Council, and Perth Council about a year and a half, almost two years ago now. So this has been a discussion that's been going on for a long time. And I was making requests of them then to consider tiny homes and secondary units. So this is not a new discussion and it's taken mm-hmm. them a uh, you know, year and a half, two years already to get to the point where they're starting to say, okay, we're now looking at official plan changes so we can look at uh, secondary units, but some towns are still very resistant. And, uh, you know, the, the concerns seem to stem around property values or, you know, one town is talking about allowing them above garages or in basements, but not on the main floor, which seems ridiculous to me considering uh, accessibility issues. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, so part of it is actually just having the discussion around um, affordable housing and small units and, and trying to challenge some of those stereotypes and biases as we as we go along. So but our priority right now is really to get this finished tiny home um, mm-hmm. on, uh, on that legally. 
Right. And I think as a byproduct of all this, Terry, it sounds like an unplanned uh, result is that you've developed a bit of expertise about going before different municipal councils and um, trying to get things changed. So I understand that other organizations have heard about this and have actually invited you in to um, talk to them or help them as they battle uh, going through this process with municipalities. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, when the news broke and we did a formal launch in July of Completed Tiny Home and showed uh, pictures of it, uh, CBC covered an article on it, so that got lots of attention. And so we had calls from, you know, Prince Edward Island, Manitoba, BC. People were calling from uh, across the country, really, to ask about uh, the idea that we were going to use it for for emergency housing, uh, but also then how to navigate the building codes and the uh, municipal bylaws. And so um, we've been contacted by, you know, several groups. Uh, Sadly, we were also contacted by several people asking if they could live in it because they were homeless. uh, You know, those are the those are the heartbreaking calls. But uh, beyond that, I was then asked by uh, the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing to speak on a panel about tiny homes on a webinar. And then they invited me to, to present before their planning authorities um, at a workshop. And tonight I'm actually leaving for Toronto because I've been asked to participate in a workshop to develop a guide for uh, tiny homes for users So in Ontario. So so there's definitely, the conversation is definitely growing. It seems that there's lots of interest and certainly lots of interest from uh, Ontario. So that's good news. If we can, uh, I've always said that if we can get, you know, a few legally on the ground, then, you know, I think the conversation and, and the work will actually snowball and we'll start to see it more, more often. And certainly there are larger projects as well happening across the country uh, with tiny homes on foundations. Calgary and Edmonton are building tiny home villages for uh, homeless veterans. Homes for Heroes and the Mustard Seed Project. So, um, and Dr. John Rook, who's involved with Mustard Seed in uh, in Calgary, had actually come out to Algonquin College and saw our tiny home when we were building it. So, so people are definitely connecting, uh, having the conversation. And I think the last remaining piece is going to be um, more about uh, building code, actually, in in tackling that um, that the problem around tiny homes being on trailers. Right, and. As you've gone, you mentioned Calgary and Edmonton, what they're doing is really interesting too. And um, but have you seen some, maybe some of the smaller municipalities too, have you seen some actually be progressive on this file? And are there some examples that really stand out as ones that maybe other municipalities could look at? Well, I think as much as people have been talking about advocating for tiny homes for 20 years, there hasn't actually been much much movement to address the uh, laws that make them legal. And so there's been a, a illegal examples out there across the country, mm-hmm. <laughs> or there's been very uh, specific where people have had to you know fight out a site site specific zoning amendment to get it approved, right? But for me as an agency, I've always said you know we're advocating for affordable housing options. Um, small homes should be one option on the table. I've always been very clear about the fact that I don't think tiny homes are going to end homelessness in Canada. But I do think they're an option that in some respects, people have been told they can't have. Um, it's not that people are being forced into tiny homes as a, right. you know, as a response to homelessness. It's quite the opposite, actually. People are being told they're not allowed to have t- tiny homes. So really, I think what we had to do is get to the point where people were legally tackling the issue. How do we actually make this a legal option? Mm-hmm. For um, and so that's why I think the secondary units for us and the tiny home discussion really overlapped well. It was a piece of legislation uh, municipi- municipally through the province through planning that was already being looked at. And so it just seemed like a really nice fit for tiny homes. So, um, and there are actually ways to be able to do what we call tying and skirting tiny homes on trailers. So you can actually put them temporarily on a foundation and have them meet code. So it's just a question of getting some of these examples completed in a way that are legal so that we can say, this is how you do it and then you'll have more. Mm-hmm. 
And a quick shout out now to our sponsor, ExploreNet. Sometimes it seems like rural Canadians get forgotten when we see big developments in technology like 5G internet. But what's different with ExploreNet is that they focus on providing internet services in rural areas. And they're going to bring the latest 5G-ready technology to rural Canada even before the cities get it. ExploreNet keeps almost 1 million rural Canadians connected to what matters most. And they've been a champion for rural Canada for more than 15 years. Learn more at ExploreNet.com. That's X-P-L-O-R-N-E-T dot com. Yeah, and as some of these some of these communities that are now coming along, including Calgary and Edmonton, you know, maybe as we see some data come out of how, you know, once they're operational for a while, that could help change the conversation in some communities. Agreed. Yeah, I think for a long time, you know, I think there were tiny home builders out there selling essentially an illegal product, um, not right. because they were trying to, you know, not because they were trying to do that, but because there just wasn't legislation to make them legal. And so as we, you know, as we start to change that and we get more examples of how to do this legally, I think I'm really fascinated in the discussion that's going to take place tomorrow around creating a guide, a user guide for folks and, and telling them how to, to build a, a legal tiny home. So um, because I think that's important, right? I think we need more examples. It shouldn't just be the one off. It should, it should be uh, just a regular path way that we can um, use to have these so um, so and then I think we'll see more of them and then beyond that even just secondary units I think is just a brilliant uh, option for folks in terms of building more affordable housing it addresses urban densification rural densification wherever you want to see it and uh, allows more options for homeowners in terms of being able to accommodate you know family members or seniors or their kids or um, and builds more affordable housing in communities across uh, the province which is great yeah and and you know as we look at Canada in the future it does seem like this is happening, right? Like it's not a matter of municipalities saying, no, well, you know, we think this is a fad or whatever, it's going away. It sounds like a tiny homes for a variety of reasons. Uh, addressing homelessness is one, but there's also people who are quite well off who might like a tiny home option and they can be quite gorgeous. But that this is happening, like this is coming. Is that part of the message that we have to send to communities? Yeah, and I think the message beyond that for me is that we need to go back to options we had before. So the reality is in Canada, tiny homes were legal and we made them illegal. Right. Housing Limited was a government program that was started during World War II in which they built tiny homes essentially for war workers and returning war veterans. They knew that there was going to be a desperate need for housing, lots of war brides coming back and new families. And so the government actually launched or released three free floor plans for small houses, uh, some as small as like 200, 250 square feet. Um, and built uh, eventually a million of them were built across Canada and still exist today. So in towns all across Lanark County, there are uh, all kinds of houses that people refer to as wartime houses or strawberry box houses. So um, this is not a new concept. Unfortunately, over time, municipalities started to adopt these minimum square footage requirements for single family homes. So in the townships that I'm working with here in Lanark County, uh, many of them have a minimum square footage requirement of, uh, you know, 900 or 1000 square feet. So you're legally not allowed to build a single family home smaller than 900 or 1000 square feet. Why? That it doesn't make sense to me. So why would we rule out people coming into the market to build a house at 600 square feet or 700 square feet if they choose so so just getting rid of simple little uh, municipal bylaws like that allows tiny homes you're you're allowed a tiny home if you get rid of that bylaw so and then the tiny home on trailers just creates an extra level of uh, conversation that needs to happen um, that also needs to take place uh, in a parallel discussion with uh, building codes but yeah tiny homes are not a new concept it's something that we need to go back to to allow people more affordable um, options. Secondary units is another good example. I, you know, my parents actually lived in a secondary unit on my grandparents' farm. So my grandparents had a farmhouse and they built this tiny little house um, that was under 500 square feet on the property. 
And my parents lived there for five years. I was there until I was two years old with them. So, and uh, I just went back to visit that farmhouse uh, for the first time in about 30 years. And uh, the homeowner said, well, I actually think it's illegal now. And he was actually renting it out. <laughs> so wow. I said, well, here's some good news for you. You're in the only township that's actually made them legal again. So you're fine. <laughs> but, but the fact that even he was aware of the fact that we had made that type of housing illegal over time, and yet he was still using it as an income for him, helping him out and paying for his bills on the farm, just seems, uh, you know, silly to me, <laughs> for lack. Yeah, and I'm sure there's lots of examples of those kind of small homes on farm properties um, across Canada. And, and now that you mentioned the war homes, I mean, I never thought of the fact that where I grew up was in a tiny home because I grew up in one of these, um, you know, a neighborhood of many, probably a few hundred uh, war homes, homes that were built to, to accommodate shipbuilding workers during World War II, and they were probably meant to last, you know, maybe five years or so, and they're, they're, they're still there today. So people keep these well, things going, but, but some of them are very small. And of course, we didn't think of ourselves as growing up in tiny homes, quote unquote, as we know them today. But yeah, these were, these were commonplace for the war years, and many of them do continue today. Yes, agreed. Yeah, yeah. In my research, uh, apparently there's about a million of them that still exist across the country today. And yes, some of them were actually built to be temporary, to only be up for a year or two. But mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, they've been adapted and uh, kept, and they've and they've raised generations of families. There's probably there's probably not a single council meeting I go to in Lanark County where I don't hear from someone either in the crowd or someone on the council who says, "Yes, I grew up in a in a small house as well." And there was you know five or six of us living in a two bedroom house. So. So that's not the ideal, like we should be shooting again for five people having to live in a two-bedroom house, but it should be an option if people choose that. And so the limited research we have on tiny homes is that people who live in small houses actually tend to be better off financially sometimes. So that kind of goes back to your discussion about, or your mention of the, uh, you know, the wealthier versions of tiny homes that we see in TV shows. But certainly, you know, lots of people choose to live in tiny homes and tiny homes specifically on trailers because they want to live mortgage free. They want to have a smaller footprint when it comes to environmental impact on our planet. Um, There's all kinds of reasons that people want this as an option. And for years, we've been telling them no. Yeah, I had someone, I was mentioning a little on this the other day, Terry Lee, but uh, someone who's a, a new Canadian asked me the other day, why is it that people can't buy a house for $100,000 in Canada? And I really didn't have a good answer, you know, and when we hear about um, the way, you know, that I think we're getting close to half a million dollars for uh, an average house in, in many parts of Canada and to to many people who come from other countries, but also people who are, have lived in Canada for generations, it's it's getting to be something that people are just putting up their hand and saying, no, you know, this is getting to be too much and I don't want to get into spending that much money on a house. There has to be a better solution. Yeah, I think there's whole groups of, you know, thousands and, and in fact, millions of people across Canada who just are assuming they'll never own a house in Canada. And so I think that's a really unfortunate and sad reality because I think it should be an option if people want that. Um, and so certainly, you know, I don't want the tiny home uh, conversation to evolve into a, you know, let's sell less for more. Um, it costs mm-hmm. about $5,000 for our tiny home. Um, and certainly we went above and beyond when it came to meeting the Ontario Building Code standards. But but we definitely should not be ruling out, again, the option of a homeowner building a 500 square foot house on a piece of property. So, um, and I think it also opens, Tiny Homes opens up the conversation around co-ops and, you know, shared uh, properties and that sort of stuff too that I think should be happening as well in the sense that people do want to be able to build uh, tiny home communities and to be able to have yeah. connection to others. Um, and they want to be able to do it in a small and affordable um, manner. So I think, yeah, the, the Tiny Home conversation certainly opens up a conversation about all of these 
these issues that we're struggling with across Canada right now. So, and again, not going to be the solution to uh, ending homelessness in the country, but certainly should be a legal option that people should have. Yeah, like in any big social issue, there are numerous things that have to happen to solve the problem. This is just one aspect that can make a difference, but it's, yeah. it's you know, it's, it's not going to change everything, but it can change some things and it can make a difference in people's That's lives great. for sure. 235,000 people homeless across Canada and uh, housing is getting worse. And in Leonard County specifically, we've had uh, Canopy Growth has opened a company here. And uh, that's brought right. 1,100 jobs with it and lots of economic prosperity. However, it's also caused homelessness. So we now have tent encampments growing in Lanark County. We actually have young people living outside in, in shacks and tents right now. So, um, and and winter is coming. Yeah, and we're actively working with these people to find them housing. And unfortunately, uh, the housing uh, here, the, the prices have gone through the roof. So it's been extremely difficult. There's uh, 60 people on a waiting list with our local uh, you know, property manager. There's prices for one bedrooms have gone from 650 to 900 a month. And so people literally just cannot afford uh, housing. So they're having to resort to uh, staying outside again, which I think is uh, really sad to see us going backwards instead of forwards. So again, just opens up a conversation about what... Uh, you know, opens up the conversation about the fact that we should have every legal option on the table now for people and uh, remove some of these really simple barriers that we have to building housing. Absolutely. So what advice do you have, Terry Lee, for individuals and communities who are interested now in tiny homes and in terms of bylaws? How do you suggest that they get off on the right foot with their municipality to get a good outcome in the end? Yeah, so I would say uh, two things. If you're looking at building or buying a tiny home on a trailer, you need to do your homework substantially. So it's extremely difficult to build your own tiny home on a trailer and have it legal anywhere because buildings have to be inspected by a building inspector. So if you build a tiny home on your property and you plan to move it somewhere else to live, uh, technically it's not going to be a legal house because it's not. it has not been inspected by a building inspector. So right now in the Ontario Building Code, you can build a house on a foundation yourself or hire someone to do it and it's inspected by the local municipal building inspector. You can hire a uh, house manufacturer to build your house and ship it in and put it on a foundation. Um, or the third pathway to, to a compliance in the Ontario Building Code is uh, not a year-round house though. It's a park model trailer or mobile home. And those actually were not intended to be year-round living type houses. So technically right now there is no legal way to have a house on a trailer. You have to put it onto a temporary foundation. Um, but again, if you build it and you move it and it hasn't been inspected by a building inspector, then it's going to be hard to get a building permit and occupancy permit on that um, tiny home once you move it in and put it on land. So you got to look into all of that first. So make sure you have the land in mind first <laughs> and that you've connected with the local municipality and the building inspector to say, here's what I'm looking at doing. How can I do this to get it legally on the ground? And in terms of the municipal bylaws, you want to make sure that there's a mechanism in place to be able to have a tiny home on a property. So make sure that they don't have a minimum square footage requirement for single family homes. That's a quickest and simplest way. Um, if they don't have a minimum square footage requirement, then you should be able to have a tiny home on a piece of land. If they have if you have a single family home on the property already and you want to use it as a secondary unit, then call your municipality and ask them about what their bylaws are that pertain to secondary units. What I'm finding is that the conversation is evolving around secondary units. Some of the municipalities who updated their bylaws and official plans about in 2012 when it first came out uh, had some pretty restrictive bylaw requirements in there, like could only be used by a family member or had to be you know, over 600 square feet. So make sure you've had that discussion. And what I would recommend is that most municipalities are very friendly and willing to have the conversation. You just have to be able to pick up the phone and call them and ask them. And so you may not get the answer you want. They may say, no, we don't permit secondary units. And we do have a restrictive uh, single family home square footage requirement, but it's better for you to know upfront than to buy a product that you can't use. 
And that's mm-hmm. actually, I think, what I'm most concerned about is that, uh, you know, I've had people call me and say, hey, I just saw an ad for a $20,000 tiny home and I'm thinking about buying it. And usually my first response is don't. Here's what you need to do first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, too often there's been examples of people buying these and then having to illegally use them and be at risk of the municipalities coming in and telling them to, to, to remove them because they haven't followed these steps first. So, um, and it sounds like it's complicated, but it's getting easier. And uh, again, I'm really fascinated to see what happens in Toronto tomorrow around this conversation around creating a guide for folks around a tiny home. So I think that's actually a really good first step for folks in helping educate the public around how to do this legally. Right. That's good advice. Very helpful. And um, we're going to follow you as you go along this journey at Terry And I'm sure we'll have you back again in the future to talk about how it's going. Hopefully the pace of change will pick up a little bit. And, um, you know, a year, two years, three years from now, uh, maybe people won't be running into as many roadblocks as you've seen happening uh, in recent months and years. Yes, we hope it gets easier for folks for sure. And again, you know, we're in, a, we're in desperate times in Canada. We should have all of our options on the table. So, and this should be one of them as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being with us on RollSpark today and best of luck in Toronto uh, tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, Helen. Okay, bye-bye. Take care, bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on RollSpark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.